Welcome to the Ascend Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. Each week we delve deep with some of the brightest and most forward thinking, out of the box minds in health, consciousness, mindset, and spirituality. This show inspires our listeners to improve their body and mind, and our intention is to fuse and unlock the conscious warrior and shift the balance in the current paradigm. The sign of a powerful mind is the ability to hold two contrarian or opposed views at the same time. While I was exploring all these different avenues or while I explore all these different avenues, I come come across many contradictions. Like if you believe a certain theory, then it is very often likely to contradict another theory. But both of those theories might have some truth or they might seem to be plausible to you. The more I prepare for the future, the better my life becomes in the now. I'm not entirely convinced that living in t- like completely in the now is necessarily a good thing because we as human beings have the facility to uh, reminisce on the past, to be able to learn from it and also plan for the future or think of the future. You, know? you either live your life as if everything's a miracle or nothing's a miracle. Hey, what is up everyone? Albert Einstein wrote a quote saying curiosity has its own reason for existence and he talks about how one cannot help but be in awe when we contemplate the mysteries of life in the structure of reality and he said it's enough if one tries merely to comprehend a little of this mystery each day and it also seems to be that in life and also the theme of this podcast that the fact we're seeking truth knowledge and wisdom is possibly the fact that we're meant to be seeking. However, along this journey, it seems to be that everything turns in on itself and you have to learn again and again. It's like the more we know, the more we don't know. So in this podcast, we have a powerful conversation with fellow truth seeker, Nicholas Gregoriades, and I've just absolutely butchered his name. But anyway, Nick is an amazing human being and he's definitely somebody who has done the work. Nick is a world-class jiu-jitsu black belt who travels the world teaching seminars. He's the founder of Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood. He travelled the Amazon to partake in a number of ayahuasca ceremonies. He also co-hosts the podcast, the Digital Communion Podcast. But before we jump with this podcast, I just wanted to give you guys another reminder to keep an eye out in the near future for our little trailer for the podcast series that we're working on called The Past, The Now, In The Future which is going to be epic, by the way. And don't forget to leave a review of the podcast and tell everyone about the Send podcast. Anyway, without further ado, the art of seeking. How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're doing really really well. Yeah, definitely. Well, Nick, I just want to say thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's so great to have a conversation with you and... um, I know that you are like us, like you're constantly asking yourself then bigger questions, asking the universe, seeking knowledge. And um, I know for me, when I am in full flow and I'm asking them questions and looking up new information and learning new things, I get this um, thirst in my mind to keep wanting knowing more and more and more. And I, I know that's probably the same for you. But Nick, a question I keep asking myself is like, who I truly am? But who is Nick? <laughs> Interesting. Uh... 
I was chatting to someone a long time ago, maybe two or three years ago, and and if you guys, I'm sure you've experienced this when you're speaking to someone and you, you kind of, there's certain hints in, the, in your relationship and your conversation with them to make you feel that maybe you can share these kinds of things with them, but then when you do start speaking to them about things of this nature, they they just can't really get onto that level. Mm-hmm. Um, and this guy, I don't know how we got into the topic of conversation, but I was saying to him, like, one of the things that drives me when it comes to asking of questions is I, I want to know what my soul looks like. Whoa. It's something I've always wanted to know. I literally want to know, like, what my soul looks like beyond my physical appearance. Um, and that's something that I think is closely tied into the question you just asked of who am I? Yeah, Nick, yeah. it seems to me like like that really does resonate with me because like we do want to know what really deep down our soul is. And, and, and me, when I, when I actually try and put my mind that far into that tangent in my mind, the only thing I can just keep thinking of, like, I can't even get that far, I just keep thinking in my mind that maybe we are just, to just be simpler, we are just like consciousness exploring this reality in this like space suit. That's what I sometimes feel. Yeah, I, I was just thinking about that yesterday actually. It's. Uh... I'm reading a very, very cool book called Adventures Beyond the Body, um, which is about someone who's who was having out-of-body experiences since the early 70s, and he made it a large part of his life and started studying it in great depth. Um, and one of the things he says is that human bodies are biological vehicles that consciousness uses to explore uh, this particular dimension. And that really, like, I found that very profound. It's something I, I'm always finding myself, like, uh, maybe when I'm sitting quietly or I'm on a train or just uh, when I have, like, a little bit of mental space, I'll sometimes just look at my hand with this sense of fascination and I'll, and I'll have this real deep feeling that I am literally just wearing a suit, like a flesh suit. Uh, and it, it always comforts me to know that for some reason. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Actually, I, I get them. Uh, I get them into that train of thought quite a quite um, quite a bit as well. And I do get this like sense of wonder as well, um, Nick. And I think that's it's fascinating when you actually look at that part of um, when you go through that part of an existence and you like start to question your own reality. And obviously, like I'm agreeing with you both. Like I feel like like a vessel like lost in this time and space and, and I think that is fascinating that, but instead of just asking the question like who am I I, I like to ask the question why did I pick this reality so I always keep asking myself why this time why did I choose to come here and I think that's always an interesting one yeah and I think uh, as per or, or a similar sentiment to the, the first time the three of us spoke is uh, my current the answer that I find most satisfying to that question is that I'm here because I'm supposed to be here yeah and that that just seems to answer everything whenever I start feeling down or confused or uh, empty or, or fed up with this particular existence I realize like I'm here because I'm supposed to be here and I wouldn't be here if I wasn't supposed to be here and that just galvanizes me to just to just get on with it yeah, like I liked how you said that, Nick, in there before, Nick, as well, when you're talking about like using 
like when you do have them thoughts where like asking yourself what you are you keep and you sort of send you on this tangent down your mind and you're unsure you said about how you were looking at your hands and that that really resonated for me as well because it seems to be and this this is quite a lot of the cases for a lot of people who are my fr- close friends who seem to be asking the bigger questions they seem to have this fascination with the hands and it, it's interesting <laughs> because I don't understand why that is I mean maybe what you just said there does explain it but I, I really think there's something deeper and I, I can't explain it I can't un- understand what it is mm-hmm. well I do know that um, with the div- uh, when in medicine when they're charting the development uh, of infants one of the markers of a certain stage of, of uh, developmental progress is when the child starts to look at its hands and I think not only is that fascinating and tied into what you're what we're, we're talking about but another thing that uh, is equally interesting is the fact that one of the techniques that um, certain schools of lucid dreaming theory Uh, one of the techniques that they teach you to do is to try to look at your hands when you're in a dream and I have had certain lucid dreaming experiences where I've I've looked at my hands and that's usually made me realize that I'm um, in a different dimension or I'm I'm dreaming or on an astral realm I was going to say Nick as well I just had a quick thought in my mind there as well I've got two thoughts actually I want to touch on but it seems to me when you think about like you said the, use the analogy of the baby it seems to me even every human being on this planet now the only thing that's really in front of us is our hands and yeah it's, I guess it's, yeah yeah I guess or our, or our feet <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, um, well, yeah but for some you have to look down you have to look down to see them yeah it's just, it's just interesting it was just it's interesting I thought and it had me, had me mind but Nick as well when you were talking about the dream before as well I want to say something about that because I've had, been having some crazy dreams lately and and when you were before as well, when we're touching, t- touching on um, maybe we are just consciousness, like exploring reality in this meat suit, the more I keep saying, like, when I keep asking myself that question, I, I keep saying, yes, we are, because to go back to what you said before about the dream, the dream I had uh, the other night, I had a lucid dream, and that really refined in my mind that, bec- that maybe we are just consciousness exploring this reality, because that dream was no different to having this conversation with you right now. And when I was in that, yeah, and when I was in that dream as well, it was just I felt it was like my consciousness was just having an experience in another world where my body was just resting in this one. And I was thinking as well from that, from a spin off from that, maybe every single drop of sand, ocean, or even blade of grass, wisp, wisp of cloud, maybe just be an illusion of our mind. It could be, or it could be a different form of consciousness, or consciousness exploring using a different form, uh, or. or this is the thing that really fucks with my mind is it could be both of those things together it's one of the one of the big upgrades in my in my thought processes is uh, someone once told me uh, the sign of a powerful mind is the ability to hold two contrarian or opposed views at the same time and that's one of the I found that so so paradigm shifting because while I was exploring all these different avenues or while I explore all these different avenues I come I come across many contradictions like if you believe a certain theory then uh, it is very often likely to con- contradict another theory but both of those theories might have some truth or they might seem to be plausible to you and when you accept that understanding that they both might be true 
and then you just might not be able to understand the mechanism whereby they both can be true at the same time. Once you understand that, like life becomes, and life and philosophy becomes a lot more interesting. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree, Nick. And I, and I think I was thinking there, like, um, even if you like look at like the Earth, right, and you and you start look at the way, like scientists believe it was made, and um, and how like meteors have clashed to Earth, and that's how they brought water, and and the chances of us actually being here are like thirty three, like uh, was it thirty three zeros? Was it um? trillion billion billion to one so if you look at it in that sense that's still like very spiritual and very like miracle-esque and that is what's so fascinating to me is like even if you take it like from a scientific point of view you still get this deep spiritual feeling like bloody hell I'm a miracle I'm I'm physically here right now like my parents at that moment produced me like any other second after or before I wouldn't have existed I I just think that's Fascinating to think that we're all little miracles, even if you just think of it in that sense. Yeah, I'm not trying to sound like uh, just a quote machine or anything, but there's an, another quote. I cannot remember the author, but I'm very fond of the, the particular sentiment, which is that you either live your life as if everything's a miracle or nothing's a miracle. And that's one of the things that are. Uh, one of the issues I used to have with science as well is because science is so reductionist and it's trying to explain everything away, or a lot, a lot of science is trying to explain everything away. In particular, um, if you look at sort of the empiricist, materialist, uh, scientific perspectives, it's it's basically trying to tell us that we're all in a, a cold, dead machine that's, um, that's just running like an engine or a clock and that always used to make me feel pretty shitty when I thought about it and yeah. I didn't I didn't find anything really miraculous about that like um, and it's only when I I kind of reconciled that using the little Jedi mind trick that I mentioned earlier which is like maybe maybe it's a machine but it's also been created and that in, its, in essence is a miracle like to me and I find that absolutely fascinating I was going to say next time it sparked in my mind it's just let's say if we are a machine do you think that like our soul would have to like accept like willingly to like be um, born in the form of a human being that's an interesting question uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure that's a very very cool question I haven't, I haven't actually thought about that um, who knows man yeah. <laughs> I guess it, if, if that is the case then our soul did accept it right because yeah. we're here I, yeah, exactly. I was just about, I was just about, I was just about to see that. Yeah, because if you go back all the way at the beginning of like the first human being, or even just go back to our birth, we didn't actually realise we were become, becoming human. So then it just yeah. sends your mind down a tangent. Like, what was the process before that? Mm. Wild. It's wild. It's a very, very interesting experience. I take it you guys spend a lot of time thinking about this kind of stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. All, all, all the time, every it, second of the day. It opens up so it opens up so many different avenues in our minds. Not just like, um, like nothing. Like just like the questions we ask, but everything we actually visually see, like a feel, touch, smell, like everything, like completely changes when we start thinking in these realms. Yeah, I, uh, Nick, I sometimes use like to use that analogy of nature because I like to go in nature a lot. 
and it seems to be nature is quite similar for me to answering bigger questions and, and having conversations with you because when I'm in nature it seems to open up these new senses that I don't fully understand yet and it's the same thing when I have like experiences and conversations with like like-minded people like you where we have these deep discussions it seems to open up like new senses it's 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 so it's surreal it's a surreal feeling yeah that is really, really cool. I'm, I'm, I really get what you're saying about nature, and I think that um, I think the expression is biophilia, which is the love of, of life and all its organisms and forms. I think when you start experiencing biophilia, uh, you, well, when you start waking up, you start well, becoming more conscious, you start experiencing an increase in biophilia in direct proportion to that. I noticed that about myself. Like, for example, if I've if I've meditated the night before and gone into deep meditation, the next day I'm I'm always like just more observant and more intrigued and fascinated by everything natural, including trees and ants and whatever I, I see in my immediate environment. And when I'm not feeling very conscious and I might be I might have been staring at the screen for 10 hours and worrying about something and just very much in my own head. Yeah. Things like that, they don't really factor into my observance of the world. Um, so I, I think there's definitely something to that uh, interest and joy and deep desire to appreciate and experience nature that you, you mentioned. Yeah, it's interesting when you said that, Nick, because... Um it seems to be like everyone talks about how it's it's it is so important to be like live in the now, but there seems to be this something that's built in the human hardware that if you start if you the day prior if you do something good the next day that will also be good, and the future will be good. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, yeah there's a, a quote by um, someone who I respect very much, a man named Even Pagan. Is he said, the more I prepare for the future the better my mind becomes now. I uh, Sorry, the better my life becomes in the now. And well, I, like that I really, uh, yeah, I believe that, I really do believe that. I've noticed in my own life, like, I'm really, I'm not entirely convinced that living in, like, completely in the now is necessarily a good thing because we as human beings have the facility to uh, reminisce on the past, to be able to learn from it, and also plan for the future or think of the future in order to be able to plan and I think we need to use those facilities um, it's just when they become out of balance and when you're constantly living in the past that you that you become uh, dysfunctional or when you're constantly worried or anxious about the, the future that, that in itself is also dysfunctional so it's about striking a balance I think yeah and Nick I completely agree with um, with when you're talking about um like understanding like it's not just like to stay in the present moment but to use what the present moment has given you which is an understanding of the past and the present so that you can use this sorry the past and the future so you can use this very moment to do what you need to do in this reality and I think that's yeah, fascinating and that's and that's why I think that that's, this sets off like a different chain of events like because when you structure your foundation between the present moment Using all the resource resources that you've got, you can completely guide your reality in any direction that you want. So we have to use the present moment to our full potential, which is the past and the future. 
it's an interesting way to put it and I agree with you entirely I really do um, I think uh, I mean I, I'd like to bring up what we, we spoke about the first time the three of us all chatted which is uh, energy and I think it's when you become aware of the present moment and uh, you can start to use the energies that, you be, that it allows you to become aware of. You can feel the energies that are taking place within your body or within your immediate environment. And then you can use and direct and shape and engage with those energies in order to create your future. It's almost like a ripple effect. If you act from uh, a state, a, a bad state or a negative state, everything you put out into the world or the, the, the chain of events that's going to take place from that state the ripples that, that are going to occur are usually similar or, or negative as well. Whereas if you put yourself into, or if you engage in a good energy and get yourself into a good vibration before you act, um, then subsequently everything that occurs from that moment forth is going to be positive. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, yeah. Nick, I was going to say something that sparked in my mind. It seems to me that when you were talking about all these different energies and being aware of what energy is good and what energies are bad, it seems to me that we've got something like built within our, like deep within our hardware that we don't understand that does like become aware of energy that is affecting us. And like when you do have these conversations, you have this mechanism within our mind that says, yes, this conversation is good. Have more of these, keep having more of these, keep sticking <laughs> more of these, yeah? Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I mean, at the same time, <laughs> you have to be careful because I'm sure when someone tries heroin for the first time they get a similar, a similar kind of feeling yeah. you know? <laughs> uh, so it's it's something you have to be aware of but I'm, I'm more interested in you know the, people speak of that people use that word and I don't think they understand it when they use it they say vibe like say that person's got a good vibe or I got to the party and there was a bad vibe or this, this place has a negative vibe and I'm becoming more and more interested in that like that, yeah. that vibration or that feeling that just being in the vicinity of someone or being in an environment or being in a room or doing a certain bit of work or engaging with a piece of media like now I'm just paying so much attention to the, the feelings and the, the energy that that creates within me and I'm using that as my compass or I'm trying to use that as my compass in life yeah, I liked how you said that using it as your compass because Nick, um, it's it's interesting to me. We had this conversation last time, but when I was talking about if if we could have a conversation with someone and we could just place our feelings inside of someone, like how much problems would that solve? Because there would be no like dispute over what you fully are trying to like present by just using like language. And I think sometimes language has its barriers, and I really do feel it'd be much better if I could just put my feeling inside of all you guys. Yeah, so we know exactly what you're feeling emotional. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I, I think uh, I think you probably can. I think it's probably like a, and I think that's how people, cult leaders, and I think there's like a spectrum. There's people who can use that ability to, to transfer a sort of emotion and feeling, and then they can use it for good and they can use it for for negative. And uh, I was chatting to my fiance recently, and the example I came up with is. I've been studying cults a lot lately and just just not studying but like watching documentaries on cults I find it fascinating yeah. and those particular cult leaders all seem to be able to create a certain state within their followers or, or like uh, draw out a specific state within their followers and they're using it for 
for nefarious purposes. Whereas someone like uh, the example I use is Anthony Robbins. He's able to do the same thing but channel it in a good way. Um, so I think that and, and language is one of the tools that they use. Eye contact is one of the tools that they use. Uh, Vibration. And I think on, on the unseen on in, in the unseen world they're probably doing certain things with stuff we don't even understand like chakra systems or uh, auras or I'm just, I'm just theorizing here but that's kind of my, my current perspective yeah I completely agree and I think it's fascinating when you look at the individuals in history who can actually reach these levels on a frequency even like like when we're talking about Tony Robbins when you can pushes everyone on this great frequency like we all want to be on a great frequency we all want to be on this high where we can feel like we're unstoppable but then you also look at the on the spectrum like like Adolf Hitler he got people onto a frequency where according to the history books that it was um, that he put everyone into a state of like fear and panic and and when you're on that sort of frequency everything else changes so so it all depends on the, these are great communicators in time and like these will always be remembered and this is what you've got to think as well that these are communicators to like the soul like these talk to people's like inner in-depth feelings like like um, Tony Robbins he'll talk to someone on a level where he'll like reach into them and bring out these deep emotional like feelings and like Adolf I know that seems to be crazy you use Adolf Hitler reference with Tony Robbins but <laughs> um, these these two both had a, um, a knack of going in there and really like dissecting like people's like fears and desires and using them for like for either good or bad and the scary or exciting or scary and exciting thing is that there are groups of people on this planet that are using those uh, or are manipulating us for I, I believe both positive and negative yeah, or towards that, both, yeah. both positive and negative ends especially using things like media um, and most of the time we're not even aware of it like one of the things I uh, we've spoken about it before it's like TV like uh, or, uh, I'll give you an example um, I bought a PlayStation 4 a few months ago and, and a big screen TV. I was staying in the States for a while and I just wanted to play some, some video games. I'm, I used to be a huge video game fan and it's something I haven't been experiencing for a long time. So I went and set it, set it up at home and uh, started playing this game and I played it for a few hours and it just it put me in this strange, strange space that my, my fiancé noticed it as well. It just like, changed my vibration and I don't know if that was intentional or not, but that particular thing had the ability and did change my my frequency, no doubt about it. So if someone had chosen to implant a certain message or uh, thought in that game, they could have definitely influenced me. The same way I'm sure there are games that do have those things implanted within the same way I'm sure there are TV commercials and, and movies and songs that have these things implanted in them both negative and positive and one of the things I'm trying to do is just learn how to read the language of symbols because I think it's they use symbols a lot too I think the human hardware is 
the vibrational structure of the or vibrational frequency of the human hardware can be very easily manipulated using symbols. That's something I'm quite interested in lately. Yeah, I like that. I like how you said that, Nick. And I was actually when you touched on that, I was gonna that was I was gonna propose that as well. Like what when you talk when Chris was talking about frequencies, I was gonna actually say like, but like similar to what you said, like maybe how much these frequencies in the past have like affect our, affected our consciousness, like all the way from ancient times all the way to now. Mm-hmm. But um, before as well, Nick, when you were saying about you were trying to like decipher symbols, it's interesting to me because I went down that road as well, and with I was interested in how these like how certain forms of media and certain forms of TV are actually like affecting our consciousness. But I found a bit of information about how the subconscious mind actually can't decipher between like a positive um, thing that's trying to help you or a negative thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why you've got to be so careful with what you consume. Um, and I mean, I, I never want to be that guy who like locks himself in his room because he's terrified of seeing an advert on a bus that's putting a subliminal message into yeah, his yeah. mind or, you know, not being able to discuss the latest episode of Game of Thrones because, you know, you've just chosen never to watch TV. I, I don't ever want to become that person. I want to be part of the world and part of society and part of social networks. But I do take a lot more care with uh, what I choose to allow to into my soul through my eyes and my ears. I guess I'm, I'm much more careful with it over the last several years. Yeah, yeah, Nick. Um, I was just going to say I don't think you'll ever be that person because you're one of these individuals who who's like built himself up on this foundation of asking himself bigger questions. So when you're in that realm of like asking bigger questions, you go at so many well, is this right for me or is this not right for me? Am I I meant to be here or am I not meant to be here? So you actually give yourself so many different variables that you're actually actually designed not to be in like a place of addiction and like like, um, demand an identity. Like you are actually void of all that really, like in my opinion. That's why I think like, I appreciate that, guys. I really do. It's, I will say, however, it's one thing to be talking about that kind of stuff with guys like you who are asking similar questions. It's another thing sometimes when you're at a barbecue at someone's house and everyone's just discussing a football game that you yeah, may be yeah. more interested in or something like a certain political um, scenario that's taking place, and you know, like. Sometimes I find myself quite disconnected from those sorts of things, and it can lead to a feeling of isolation. So I do appreciate you guys having said that, but I have noticed that there's definitely a point where you become too introspective and too philosophical, and I, I really do believe it does start to compromise your ability to to enjoy life. Yeah, it's quite interesting how you said that, Nick, because that is a very similar journey to me, and um, it seems to be that. I mean, I was I was somebody who. I was somebody like probably about four years ago who was I was I was the one who was talking about the football and, yeah and it seems to me it's interesting how in four years time it's really spun around and when, like you said you were describing your friends at the barbecue it's a similar thing for me it's like and it's probably I know it's the same thing for Chris because we've had the same conversation where you are around certain friends and they're talking about things that your mind you know you don't want to be talking about you want to be asking them bigger questions and it seems to me when you're having them conversations, it's horrible to say this, but I find my like it's the same. It's the same analogy as watching the TV. I feel like me like my soul's getting like sucked out of us. <laughs> my fiance would, would agree with you totally. She her thing is um, she cannot stand being around people that don't like light her up. 
mm-hmm. and because she's very sensitive to the kind of the frequency that people are on. So if we go out with some friends, like if there's a certain person at the table that she's been sitting next to who's on a different level, and I'm not saying better or worse level, just a different level. Yeah, yeah. When we get home, my girlfriend's exhausted because she's she just feels so drained from having to change her state or her frequency. And so I think the cool thing is you can always find you can always seek out people who are who are on the same the same vibe as you. It's not always easy, but but you can find them. And I think things like this show really help connect people, like-minded individuals, or people vibrating at the same frequency. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, actually, um, Nick, and um, it's when you are with someone and they're on a completely different frequency of you, from you, and see, you're in an incredible state of frequency, but they're in a, like, a miserable state of frequency. When you actually combine, you can definitely feel like the clash and this different vibe straight away. It's um, just through the tone of voice, through like, the look in the eye, anything can actually switch and change. But I also think it's, I also think it's incredible as well, though, is that um, basically a bit like um, the law, the laws of physics. If um, one force is stronger than another, that force will have a greater to effect. So, if um, if you, in the case of someone with an incredible frequency versus someone with um, an average frequency, you're more likely to bring them to your level than they are to bring you to their level. Which I think is a very interesting point, and that's why if, like, um, even if I'm in a room and I'm on this incredible frequency, and there is some individuals there who's like, who's had like a rough day, I can actually bring them up to a, a higher frequency through even just a touch, just a, like one little bit of communication, and just like, just really resonant, like, understanding that where they are, but showing them where I am and assure them like the power that when you get on a higher frequency their life changes and then 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 they become in a more state of like wow like maybe I haven't had such a bad day after all maybe this is what I just needed maybe I just need a little pick me up and when they actually see someone else in a different state they'll respond to that state well, you have, you have to teach me that trick when we meet in person, bro. <laughs> uh, that's that's cool, but I, I do know what you mean. It's um, look, I can't be certain of this, but it's my current perspective that <laughs> everything is energy. And it's such a cliched statement, like it's been floating around the New Age movement for thirty or forty years. Um, but I really do believe that. I really believe everything is energy and that ourselves our particular energy structures can be not only manipulated from external sources but also internal sources and that's why things like meditation and prayer and uh, yoga and all these sorts of disciplines and practices are so important to me because I, I want to be I want my energy to be as pure and clean and free flowing as possible and I don't want it to be tainted by negativity or things like that so it's it pays dividends to focus on those kinds of things yeah I completely agree Nick because even if you just think of like when you said everything is energy even if you just go to the great look at a great mind like um, Nikola Tesla he he always spoke about everything is energy so I mean (laughs) you've just got to go into the mind of a mind like him and think if he's on that sort of right track you're thinking that we're thinking that there's definitely got to be something to it Mm -hmm. and once you've 
once you've had an experience uh, beyond the, the beyond this particular realm, this physical realm, whether it be a, a lucid, an intense lucid dream or an out of body experience or a strong psychedelic experience, uh, you're much more likely to believe that because you realize that there's more than one specific reality. There's more to life than just this. Uh, and it makes you much more predisposed to being able to to open your mind to accept certain notions like that. Mm. Yeah, I, com- I completely agree. Uh, Nick, Nick, and um, when you were talking before, like in about the, these states of like negative energy and positive energy when, when you walk into a room, I was thinking there, like um, when you are like surrounded with negative energy, it's all about how to communicate with them, each individual person there, and each individual like will give you a sign when you start talking them. When these signs are like so simple to to see and read, like some people say, oh, "I'll hear what you're saying," which is basically means they're an auditory person. So the best way to communicate with them is through auditory. So you can just talk to them and just really bring them out of the state to in order. But some people say. Yeah, I feel what you're saying. I really feel what you're saying, which is they're a more like they're more of a touch type of person. So they'll they'll indicate they're more of a type of a feel. Like they need a, a feeling mm-hmm. to change their type of structure. Mm-hmm. And then you also get the people who I was going to say you also get the people as well. Like um, and they'll be in a different state where they can just say like, um, look, I, I can't really I can't visualize that whatsoever. Like and so they're a person who needs to like see it in their own mind. Like before they can make a change in structure so even just little hints in communication people will give you a structure on a way how to communicate with them mm-hmm. and one of the I mean there's two things that came to mind when you were talking about that like my my fiance was relating to me uh, there's a study uh, some research and studies have just uh, been completed in which they've shown that brains do actually start to synchronize together um, at certain points when people have been around each other for a certain amount of time or when they they start to speak about a subject that both people are excited or interested in, the brains literally start to sync at the same wavelength, um, which I find fascinating. And one of the little tools I use that helps me sync with a person when I, I want to engage with them is uh, eye contact. I find that that is so, so effective and you'll be you'll be amazed at how infrequently we actually do it properly I notice that when I'm talking to someone I'm not really engaged with them until I'm looking into their eyes properly and uh, it's a habit I'm trying to, to form I notice a massive improvement in my communication um, when I use that technique effectively have you guys had any experience with that? Well, I was just going to say something first there, Nick, because when you were talking about the brains being connected, um, it seems to me, even if just using like the internet as an example, if you look at like the internet, and if you, even if you compare, sorry, if you compare our brain to the internet and the universe, they don't, like, by visually, if you look at them, I, I, a picture of them, they don't seem very similar. And it, it seems to me, like, using the internet example, like, it seems to me, like, with the internet, you can't just have this, like, fastest Wi-Fi connection straight away. It takes time for that technology to... Um, to get better and evolve and I was thinking maybe when you're using the knowledge of the brain maybe that's the same for the brain and that's why this this safety mechanism does come up 
and it does come into play when we are asking these deeper questions and that's and to go back as well what you said about how these brains are connected maybe that's how on this bigger level that we don't understand our brains are connected just like the internet and like, like, like the universe yeah I have actually seen uh, I can't remember where it was but apparently uh, neurons if you, if you look at neurons under a specific filter brain neurons they are quite similar to what um, clusters of galaxies are supposed to look like if I'm not mistaken which I found fascinating Um, but you do make a good point Uh, well I guess we'll figure it out sooner or later rate at which sciences is progressing and internal discoveries and consciousness exploration are exploring are um, increasing we'll have the answers to these things well within our lifetimes I would assume like I was just going to ask you as well, like something that I thought in my mind there, I want to ask it. I was wondering, do you think, like, is a sort of a spin off from that? Do you think that us as human beings are designed to ask these bigger questions? It seems to me that we are, but I just want to see your thoughts on it. So, um, I think up until a point, I think up until a point, and as we, we've discussed previously, uh, I think we don't even have the hardware to process the answers to some of the questions yeah. and um, like I referenced in our previous conversation that that scene in Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skulls where that one the character played by Kate Blanchett that Nazi officer she eventually gets what she's looking for which is the all the information in the universe that's what she's been wanting and it's too much and it overloads and melts her brain like I think that that is I think as human beings we are inherently we have ex- extreme potential and, and massive potential but we are inherently limited by by our hardware in this incarnation so you said to me once I had it on my mind a lot you said sometimes when you think about these things your your head literally starts to hurt yeah, yeah it does and uh, I've had that on my mind the whole week and I think that's probably a sign that it's time to back off you know that's probably a sign that the, you've, you're asking too deep or you're going too deep yeah. so yes and no is I guess the answer yeah it, it, it's interesting because it does it seem to be and we talk about this all the time this seems to be like this maybe it's like a, like I said last time maybe it's um, our monkey brain sort of like saying just back down just relax but it seems I try to go deeper as well which hurts even more as well in my head but I try, I just try to think maybe like consciousness itself has a life of its own and it's actually just trying to like block, puts this block uh, mechanism in place to actually just stop us from getting further until until we are at a stage where we can evolve and we can decipher what it's really trying to say to us. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, remember how I said to you, it's, uh, if you believe the theory that this is a, this is a game that consciousness is playing, yeah. it's indivi- it's a, consciousness is a, an undifferentiated, uh, non-personal, non-individuated, Phenomena and what it's trying to do is express itself through form and individualization. So, in order to do that, it has to trick itself or create the game as such, in that you, you can't see behind the curtain or you can't see. Uh, like, the, I think the example I used is like when you're watching a movie you don't want to see the boom mic drop into the top of the frame because it yeah. shatters the illusion and um, 
stops the suspension of disbelief and maybe life is like that as well maybe our, the consciousness that's expressing itself through us doesn't want you to get behind the curtain and it's doing everything it can and maybe that that inbuilt mechanism that you speak about is part of that it's part of that, that inbuilt stock mechanism that just says okay you're getting too close to to the truth and you're not you're not here to be doing that you're here to be experiencing the game not going behind the scenes yeah and maybe maybe we are exactly maybe we are trying to like yeah. live in the movie yeah maybe we are trying to like our minds are trying to live in the movie but maybe as well we're trying to just like you said maybe our consciousness is, is like putting a safety mechanism up because it knows if we go past that fine line we could go insane but there's also another spin from that as well is like the fact I sometimes think as well the fact that I'm actually chasing that is it the fact that I'm meant to be chasing it and it's funny because um, uh, there's a quote I put in my head there it's to, but with Albert Einstein he talks about how uh, curiosity has its own reason for existence and when, mm, I, when I heard that's great yeah when, he, when I heard that that's he, great yeah because he talks about how um, like a person can it help but be in awe when we um when the, like when the mysteries of life and the structure of reality is like thrown in front of us, and he said if he was talking about how um, if one tries to like merely comprehend a little bit of this mystery each day, then that's that's fine. You know what I mean? It's interesting. I, I totally agree. In fact, I said something very similar to a friend of mine. I mean, he he's always saying to me like, Nick, just chill out and enjoy life, or like just. You know, you should stop asking so many questions and just fucking go with it. Yeah. He had a point to a degree, but what I realized is that, like, this is who I am. And yeah. whatever it is within me that's asking these questions, I know that's a part of me, and I really believe that it's a good part of me, and that that's why I'm asking these questions. And that's one of the reasons I haven't completely just turned my back on, on the search and why I'm still digging into the mystery. Although... I have, I realize that it's again, it's a balance. It's always a balance. Like you have to find that balance between exploration and questioning and investigation, and just living and flowing and acceptance of what is. Yeah, I like and that, that is one of the hardest things in life to do. Nick, I was just going to say as well about you said that. It's imagine I was thinking in my head there. Imagine just being a person who doesn't ask these bigger questions. Imagine being a person who asks these questions so much that they're in a straitjacket and in a mental <laughs> asylum somewhere because they can't integrate into society anymore. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or even... We don't want to... I was going to say, imagine a person who doesn't ask any questions at all. Yeah. And I, I think, again, the, for me it seems that the middle path is probably the most preferable, or it, it seems the most preferable to me. Yeah. Mm. Definitely. Nick, I just wanted to ask you this another question I wanted to ask you, like because it seems to be like a lot of stuff that we're talking about is like deciphering like a lot how, how we how our minds work and how we decipher information. But I was wanting to ask you like the importance of like exposing yourself to the right information and rejecting the wrong kind because I was wondering like along your journey, like how have you deciphered that? So um so I mean like so far I've, I've found it like an important, important part of my journey to expose myself to all forms and that's how I've sort of deciphered the information in my mind. But um, I was wondering, like, how was your evolution in the process of um, exposing yourself to, like, different forms of information, like, evolved? Like, how have you deciphered between, like, the good and the bad information that, like, affects your consciousness that you can't understand anyway? Mm-hmm. So, oh, this, this has been a, a big 
level up on my journey, uh, especially, in, I'd say, even in the last year or so, because previously, especially when I was a younger man, I would just try to consume as much information as possible. I just wanted to take it all in. Um, and I realized I, I got to a point of, in, not only was it information overload, but I also realized I had to be more careful with what I put in to, again, I don't like using the, the computer analogy because I don't think it's entirely accurate, but it's, it's probably the best analogy we have for speaking about our, our minds. And I think loading the wrong kind of software onto your the computer that is your, your mind is, is not a good idea at all. So what I'm really trying to do is... It comes back to energy and trying to go with how things make me feel. Um, and that is a, a function of how well you know yourself and how in touch you are with yourself. And the, the better I get to know myself and the, the more meditation I do, the more I, I slow everything down and just try and feel what's happening around me, the more easily I'm able to discern which information will benefit me and which won't. I was going to say as well, like it seems to me that this, like the whole process of life, it seems to be this one big challenge set up, all these different challenges, all these different questions that we ask ourselves in our mind, that it's just about process, like you said, like about actually figuring out who we truly are and sort of in a way like tapping back into like remembering who we are. That's what I feel anyway, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it's, there is a theory that, yeah, it's so interesting you said that. I've, I've thought about that a lot lately. There's a theory that this is ultimately a process of remembrance and that, as I said earlier, like consciousness forgets. It comes here and forgets what it is. Yeah. And then the journey, the gift that is life, the adventure that is life, is the all the incarnations and experiences and events that lead you back to the ultimate remembrance. And uh, I don't know if that's true, but it, it seems it seems kind of cool to me. I've always thought that that was kind of a cool theory for what we're all doing here. Yeah, when you said that as well, something sparked in my mind because it seems to me like I know you're very similar to us. Like you will be, you, we have times in our life where we do like indulge so much in like a topic, and we're like we're reading, we're, we're getting so much so much information from a certain source. I was thinking in my head there, like oh, I was thinking in my head, are we actually designed to retain so much information? Because like you were talking about. Can consciousness forget? I was thinking, can like the information process in our mind also forget? Mm. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it can. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'm it's, sure it can. I was going to say that, Nick. I think it's designed here really because, um, just like the, obviously the Cape Blanchard thing, when too much information, it, it does. You'll it start to get to a point where boom, your head will explode, and you're going to go or in like the lesser visual sense, like you're going to go to a place where you'll be like. I don't know what to process anymore because I've got so much things so I think your mind yeah. actually works as a safety mechanism for itself because it's, mm-hmm. it knows how, I think the mind knows how powerful it is and that's one of the reasons why all the mystery schools they use a very specific process of initiation it's not just like they throw you in the deep end it's because it's kind of like a an analogy I could maybe use is uh, martial arts, right? Like mm-hmm. when you come into a martial arts school as a beginner, if a, a good instructor is not just going to throw you in the, the cage with like a professional MMA fighter because it's just too much, like 
you'll first take a class and like, get to learn a little bit about what this martial art is and then you'll practice some moves and then you'll spar against someone of your level and then you might enter your first basic competition or whatever so I, I think like that's why there are these, these structures and systems in place um, within those esoteric schools it's because they want to you know lead you down the path they don't just want to throw you in the deep end because the consequences can be pretty pretty dire yeah I was going to say as well on the other side of that as well Nick something that came to my mind there when we're talking about the power of the brain and things like that um, and put the brain putting up these safety mechanisms I was also thinking that it seems to me like if you do look back at the past all these ancient cultures they seem to be aware that the brain the human brain was this uh, gift and it was the most intelligent like technology that's maybe ever going to be on this planet we just don't fully understand it yet but I was thinking maybe why in the future why would we have to like invent a spaceship to go to another planet when we can just access and use our own mind and I'm, and just something sparked in my mind, mind there is maybe that's why all these ancient cultures in the past were aware of that and they were trying to tap into that and chase that yeah that's that's a fascinating thought I think that's really really cool something that uh that I've been thinking about for a while. The analogy that I use is like, um, you know how, you guys know the difference obviously between an iPhone and an Android phone, right? Like they're they're two completely different ecosystems. But one of the big complaints that Android users have about iPhone users is this, or about iPhones and and, um, iOS is they say that it's, it's not very really customizable and Apple locks everything away like all the, you can't really tinker under the hood you can't adjust certain things and install you can't download certain software that you want to download and it's all in Apple's little closed environment mm-hmm. whereas Android users have a lot more flexibility when it comes to that and that's why they say that like the iPhone is generally for the masses and the, an Android phone is more for like geeky sort of power users and I was thinking a lot about that, like your mind, like some of us aren't ready to use our minds in that sort of Android style method because, for example, I've had an Android phone and I've played around with it and tinkered around with it and fucked it up basically, like I've installed the wrong thing or like try to make it do something and fucked it up and I know that hardly ever happens with Apple because that kind of stuff is locked away and hidden from, from the end user and so... I think there's two there's two types of people or one of the ways we can categorize people on this planet is there are power users of the human mind and there's regular users of the human mind and regular users shouldn't be messing around with it and power users have a little bit more leeway to play around with does that make sense? it's a yeah. quite strange analogy but it's something I've had on my mind for a while no it's a, it's, it's a really un- we understand very clearly to be honest and I think a lot of the listeners will as well because um, I think we're all at different levels in the game. Like we, like a, it's one of the things we love to see at the minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> but um, but yeah, uh, you're exactly right, um, Nick. And people are like, people are at a point where they're still like wanting to use the Android phone, but they're still stuck on the iPhone. And but even if you just like keep working away at it, keep like working on yourself, eventually you're going to be in a place where you can be a very successful. Uh, Android user. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's what I like to think. I hope, hope I'm going to be one of them one day. So, Nick, uh, here's something we'd love to ask you, and and it's really something I've both been questioning for a while. And like, if you could, if we could, if you could ask like only one question, Nick, 
What question would you ask if you knew you were going to find out the truth? Mm. Um. <laughs> oh, it's it's definitely changed since uh, the last time I thought about this. Um. Nah, actually, it hasn't. It's it's the same. It's am I on the right path? Uh-huh. Yeah, am I on the right path? And Nick, you know what it is like instantaneously from this whole conversation, like that question that you just raised yourself there. It seems to me that you are, yeah. <laughs> like, because the fact that you're actually ask, asking that question is the fact that you're on the right path. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. As you said, as you guys said earlier, we're all at different levels of the game, and one of the things that became is becoming clear to me is no level is better than than any other. Yeah, definitely. Um, so when I see a guy who I perceive is at a higher level or at a lower level than I consider myself to be at, I always remind myself that, yeah, we're, we're literally all at different levels of the game and there's different lessons to be learned at all these different levels and I wouldn't be at the level I'm at unless I, was supposed to, I wasn't supposed to be at the level I'm at. Um, did I say that right? I'm sorry, I'm getting a bit tired. No, no, you no. get what I mean. Oh, no, no that, was, that was perfect. That was beautiful, Nick. And I, I, Nick, I will wrap this up now, but uh, Nick, thank you so much. And it's been an absolute amazing podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, yeah. guys. It is really a pleasure to talk to you. I really, I can hear the excitement and energy in your voice. And it's so cool that there's people out there that are asking all the right questions. Yeah, same. Thank you so much. We do really appreciate your time and what a conversation there. It feels when I have these yeah, conversations, I mean, I'll not speak too much again, but we, we, when we do have these conversations, Nick, it, it just, like I said before, it does open something up and I, I really do like appreciate these moments with people like yourself when we can explore these, like, go, like, go, I can go inside your mind and try and pull things out of your mind and you can pull things out of ours. I think it's a beautiful moment to be able to just, like, express that with someone else and I love it. Wow. Now that was certainly a spoken meditation. <laughs> Thanks so much guys for listening to this conversation. And I just want to say you should be really proud of yourselves that you're on this journey seeking knowledge and just keep pushing all the boundaries in your life. Anyway guys, I'll catch you next week. Peace.